0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the Localization Fireside Chat Channel. Uh, today, I'm honored to have with me as a guest, uh, Suki Alberga. And uh, Suki and I, we know each other now for a while. Uh, we've known each other for a while. Uh, and uh, I had the honor of meeting uh, Suki face-to-face for the first time in uh, Moncton, New Brunswick uh, this uh, this winter. I guess I was there a, few mo- a couple months ago now. And an uh, incredible person, incredible achievement, and today's topic, we will be talking about the uh, diversity and equality and uh, the uh, interconnectivity, if you will, between the topic of diversity and equality and localization, which affords the opportunity for communication in any language uh, for the um, uh, on any subject. So uh, again, honored to have with me Suki. I'd love to. Um, uh, this conversation is going to be very exciting. <laughs> and the topic of diversity and equality, it's always... Uh, it, it's always needs to be in, in in front of us because there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of subjects around the topic that we can probably enhance, improve from a humanity perspective to do better. And this is what this topic is all about. How can we work together in various industries to make sure that we are advancing diversity and equality across various demographics and geolocations? So, welcome to the show, uh, Suki. And I'll uh, give you the mic. Just do a little bit, if you don't mind. Uh, give us a little bit of an intro: who you are, where you where you are, and um, what your personal and business interests.
1: Well, thank you so much, Robert. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. I know we always have fun when we get together. So hopefully listeners will enjoy this conversation as well. Um, yeah, so I'm Suki Dillon Elberg. I'm the founder of Bridging Legal Solutions. We're the first multidiscipline practice in Canada in the area of business law and health law. We do services for HR and accounting. So really, truly, when clients come to us, and the reason I came up with the whole idea and the concept of the firm was that when clients do come to us, especially if they're in the startup space or health practitioners, um, that we are able to help them not only from one legal issue, but from every angle that overlaps, right? And sometimes it can be a CRA issue or an HR issue. So I'm really passionate about entrepreneurship. Um, It's in my veins. My family are entrepreneurs. Um, Prior to being a lawyer, I had with previous profession in corporate and health law sector. for me, I used to find clients would say to me, Duki, you know, when you give us advice, you just don't give us legal advice. You kind of you, you give us this broad understanding of things that we didn't even consider or think about. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I came up with the multidiscipline practice. It was quite the feat to um convince the law societies to finally get the permits and stuff. So we're operating both in Ontario and New Brunswick. And so um it's exciting, it's an exciting venture that we're going through. And, Topics like these are really important because we are in the sort of the type of clients and the, the space that I'm in, um, we have a lot of technology, um, individuals coming with new innovation and things like that. So these kind of things, diversity, um, biases, um, inclusion overlap and it's so important and how we do business and how we uh, hire individuals and what is that supposed to look like and how can we be stronger together going into the future and um and really breaking ground in many areas and I think um inclusivity and diversity is a key part of that Um, and and also merit merit is so important too
0: um, and it's, uh, you know, it's one of those, um, uh, podcasts that you, that I've started where we actually, um, have a bit of a more, uh, casual uh, tone in terms of how we talk, uh, on the, on this podcast, we target several areas and I know, um, you were living in Ontario, right? So, and you moved to New Moncton, New Brunswick and me being, uh, from Moncton originally, you know, I found that very interesting, somebody from, uh, Toronto to move to, um, uh, Moncton just a side note if you don't mind for the audience what drove you to move to Moncton
1: well actually I think the real reason we ended up and quite frankly speaking we were the one of the rare breeds that actually moved eight uh eight, I think it was eight nine months before the pandemic actually hit so we weren't that wave afterwards we were the wave it biggest. was
0: not during the pandemic it
1: was yeah, a, no no, it for it. <laughs> no no and um I think um, I have twins you know and they're six-year-olds and so for me it was really important for them to have a sense of community growing up and I remember when I grew up, I grew up on the Danforth, you know, mm-hmm. a little big town and I just remember like you'd be playing outside as a kid and your parents wouldn't worry where you are. You'd mm-hmm. end up having dinner at your neighbors and your parents would know that and then all of a sudden you would get that nine o'clock call when the sun's coming down in the <laughs> summer to come home, right? And you know, like people were just looking at for each other there was the neighborhood watch I remember that right and we kind of just felt that you know I wanted that sense of community and it was like where could we do that and where is a new place to kind of that's more that's going to have more growth um I love Toronto I mean I'm born and raised there you know and it's a beautiful city and and everything else but you know it's saturated now and so the sense of community meant that you had to go really out in the suburbs And we lived in King City for a little bit there as well. But then again, it was really hard to get that sense of community. So Mm -hmm. we kind of bite the bullet and and thought we'd come here because Moncton is kind of known for its uh, being friendly and a real sense of community. And so I have no regrets. I actually really love it here and my children are thriving. And so it was a good decision for us. By all our, means, really
0: our audience for those of you who don't know, I started my career journey in Moncton, and I, uh, and this is where I was, I uh, started my localization career journey in Moncton, and our uh, small office was in Dieppe, New Brunswick, actually, mm-hmm. uh, just the uh, opposite side of the uh, the river, and uh, that separates the two, uh, that little, uh, what do you call it, uh Petit Kodiak River.
1: That's right,
0: yeah. So. Uh, yeah, and it and it's it's uh it's sort of like uh, my hometown. Every time I go back to Moncton, it's like going home, and I miss it. And I uh, I hope one day I'll be able to um, uh, you know retire in 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 that area, it's, it's just like something part of me, I guess. Oh, I
1: would love that. We <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have coffee every week, you and I. <laughs> and you know what the great part is is that um and I say sometimes my friends I think they envy me sometimes. Um, I'll say to them oh yeah we just came you know we were at the ocean you know and we just came back and it's like a 15-20 minute drive whereas right. in Australia, you got to go to Lake Simcoe or Collingwood know. you know what that's I mean? that's
0: not an ocean that's a lake
1: yeah <laughs> <laughs> and really it's just a driving short distant drive away and right. it had to take a lot of getting used to being in Moncton because when I first got here I always had that you know, oh my goodness, how long is it going to take to go find the hospital or how long is it going to take to go drive over to the government building? Meanwhile, they're like 10 minutes apart. Right. Yourself, I don't miss the 401. I do not miss the 401. Oh, you
0: did such a wonderful thing by not missing the 401. Um. <laughs>
1: yeah. I hear like any time of the day, it's busy there now.
0: Yeah, it is. Absolutely. And traffic is getting crazy here because. Lots of accidents on the highway, and they block the highway, as you know, and that causes a whole bunch of headache to people. Yeah. Switching back to our main topic, if you don't mind, um, in your own words, would you mean? Uh, can you tell me a little bit about um, equality in your, you know, in from your own perspective? What does that mean to you?
1: I think equality for me means is everyone having the opportunity. You know, having the opportunity. If you have the skill set, you have um, the gifts and talents an opportunity should be afforded to you and it it just should be there it's like a given thing and and regardless
0: of gender ethnicity regardless of backgrounds
1: no not at all like i think it's really what do you bring at the table what do you bring at the table and i think we have to sort of be careful a little bit about that In, in my humble opinion um i feel that sometimes if we do there has to be a balance don't get me wrong Diversity. being a minority woman myself, and I mean, I, I had a father who, you know, his story was, like, I came here in 1963 with $8 in my pocket, and I saw discrimination, and I felt it, but I still made something out of myself. And honestly, my father has Jewish friends, Italian friends, like Greek friends, like, you know, he, he's an Indian man, he has his, you know, friends of his own as well, like he was never like that. And I think I get a lot of that from my, my parents too. My parents, when they came here, they were really open. They weren't like, you know, um, we're going to to be in our own segregated. Thing. Not that I'm saying that's a, that's bad. I'm not saying that that's the that's wrong thing. But what I'm saying is is that there was always like a recognizing of the other person's diversity and culture and respect for that and finding commonality in that and really embracing each other. And I think that's really important because when we do that, it's so enriching the relationships become. And then we get people who come with like different talents that have a lot to bring to the table. And when they do that, we can advance in society in so many wonderful ways, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think, I don't know, I, I don't mean to sound like an utopia or kind of way of thinking, but I'm I'm being realistic in the sense that that's not attainable or whatever thing. But what I'm saying is the opportunity should be afforded and it should be based on what, what you bring, you know, your education, your gifting, your talents, individuals should be valued for that. And I think organizations and companies, when they see that with talent acquisitions and it is becoming more and more competitive, right. To get that great talent. And nowadays, what you know, the average employee wanted back like 20, 30 years ago isn't the same. I think mm. that they, I'm kind of in the middle. Like I'm I'm a, I know a lot about the old generation. I'm kind of in the middle generation and I, I can I, I can understand the younger generation as well, right? Where they're saying, well, we want to do it differently. From how you did it and your parents did it, you know. Um, whereas we, our parents were the ones that kind of broke ground, you know, tried to get those doors open for us, and then it was up to us to walk into those doors with whatever talents and gifts we had and do an impact and say, "Yes, I can sit at the table." Right? Yeah, it Was getting nice able to, yeah, be able to sit at the table. Mm-hmm. Our parents opened the door. We got to sit at the table, but now the younger generation definitely need to be not only sit at the table, but now you have to have a voice, and that voice should be based on what you bring at the table and the value. I think, you know what, sometimes I've experienced too, um, individuals will sometimes, and I've noticed this too, like when you're, (laughs) It's always best to be like the not to be the so smartest person at the table. I think it's a valuable thing to do, you know? And and if you are, don't need to tell anybody that you are. <laughs> Just sit and absorb, right? And and hear what's being Be that
0: stealth person. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly, right? And hear what's being said and then contribute, you know, with 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 you know, um, wisdom, I think wisdom is such an important thing to have nowadays. And, and people need to understand that, you know, to think things through and then be able to speak. But mm-hmm. you know, when you're at a table, when other people are smarter than you, right, and you're listening, and you're respecting mm-hmm. what they have to say, and then you speak something that they're like, Oh, my goodness. Wow, I didn't like, Oh, that took me back. That's really why. Oh, that, that's interesting, what you said, people take notice. And that's, that's what's really valuable. Because mm-hmm. it's What's the change you can bring? What's the positive impact that you as an individual can bring? Doesn't matter what your gender is or what your color is or anything like that. And I think at the end of the day, it's so important we embrace each other. We embrace the differences. And
0: uplift one another because a lot of times, a lot of times, you know, people have the skills. And, you know, I mean, this is a topic that everybody is on their mind right now in Canada and in the Western world is that, We have a lot of newcomers coming in uh, with good degrees. They were practicing, you know, high level um, career um, and professions in their home countries, but they come here and they end up, you know, driving a taxi or doing something menial, not in their profession, that's for sure. And so the uplifting part is very, very important. Give people a chance to demonstrate their skills.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think, you know, sometimes people talk about, well, you know, um there's certain privileges afforded to certain uh individuals and demographics of people right sort of speak and I think maybe in the past that was true because if you think about it and I can you know like I was in um a conversation on on diversity and um inclusivity and it was um a webinar that was taking place in the states and um they were talking about how the there was like a significant percentage of white families that are below the poverty line, right? And so I think sometimes when we kind of throw the word privilege out there, it's like, yeah, no doubt there was, at a time there was. And then maybe in some cases it can be. Um, obviously, I remember when I was in university and I was doing uh, my undergrad there, I took a course on... Um, um, gender and um um what was it gender and i can't remember what it was called but it was it was just a course about you know um society and how gender plays in it and things like that and even in that course i remember at the time i was probably 19 Mm -hmm. years old i had never thought about it and it really opened me up to think well you know what um an experience that a white woman would have versus what a black woman would have versus what a south asian woman would have versus an asian Woman would have, mm-hmm. or even in the male, their male counterparts, they're going to be different experiences. There's going to be different challenges for them, right? um So I think at the end of the day, it's a lot of just understanding every each other's, you know, well, what you kind of what you may call them plights, you may call them um difficulties, understanding them and and having compassion for one another, but saying you know what I identify with you know what you went through you know and this is what I went through but let's come together how can we do better you know and and coming together I think there's power there's more power in numbers than it is you know like you can achieve more right like they say with the 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 cord and the chain like the more links you have on the chain that are strong and linked together the stronger the bond is and it's it's Mm -hmm. more unbreakable that way and I I really, truly believe that. And I think a lot of businesses and companies can really establish that um, Mm -hmm. within their, you know, team environments and culture that they bring in their workplace.
0: Now, having your um, background as a lawyer, um, this one is a little more of a combination between your being a lawyer and you being an advocate for diversity and equality is... uh, what happened, in, in? what's your advice, I guess, to somebody who um, is a victim or have been subject to discriminatory remarks, for instance, um, that stems from biased behavior uh, toward them? So what would you recommend and to the audience, and how would you think they should deal with a situation like this?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, in many ways, people will experience that in different degrees, I think um for myself I have had myself as well and we I think
0: did. me too
1: <laughs> yeah and I think for me I think and I don't want to generalize anything um, because mm. it's different degrees of it um, but I think as Canadians um if we do it happens in certain levels where there's a power imbalance right? Be yeah. it uh, possibly at a firm, be it possibly in the government sector, uh, so to speak, you know, you're going to municipality, you're trying to get a permit for something. You know what I mean? You never know, right? Yeah. Like there yep. is or, or you're trying to get promoted with an organization. sometimes you may have an individual that may not truly understand. They may be senior. There's a power struggle there. Sometimes there's an unconscious bias that they may not even realize. Yeah, you
0: bring up a very good topic, bias. that unconscious bias, and I'll let you finish your thoughts in a second. Yeah. Because one of the one of the um, episode that I uh, we recorded on this channel, it was with the president of the Women in Localization, uh, Carrie Fisher, mm-hmm. and uh, we talk a lot about unconscious bias. Some people have, you know, they the good mind and the uh, good intentions but sometimes happen things happen unconsciously because that's how unfortunately things have been trending for many years uh, in terms of their the way they think in terms of etc but they have all the good intention they don't mean to hurt anybody but the unconscious bias plays a big role in sometimes what we do and what we think
1: Yeah, I think it's a fine balance there. And I'll speak to that in a minute, but I'll answer your first question first, is that um, giving advice to someone who may have been on the receiving end of some form or some level of uh, discrimination. I think at the end of the day, discrimination is as if your gut feeling makes you feel uncomfortable, you feel uncomfortable, or you feel that you were treated a certain way, you may likely have been on the receiving end of that. Right. Um, because nobody ever wants to feel any in any different way. And I think some people will argue, oh, you know, some people are really sensitive, you know, and it's like, well, we have to respect everybody's feelings and their experiences because everyone has a degree of challenges, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so like for example, like somebody might say, and oh, maybe I'm gonna get into a little bit of a topic here that might be controversial a little bit but I mean good intentions when I say this that um, someone who is a, a male white individual trying to get a job saying you know what now this diversity and equality thing is happening and I feel like I'm not being treated with you know the opportunity for me because there's this initiative that companies have or a company has. And I feel like maybe I lost out on this interview or whatever. And they mm-hmm. may feel that way. Whereas the other person saying, well, here I am, I'm, I'm a minority, but am I being really hired for my talents or am I being hired because they just want to fill a quota?
0: Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, you're right. That
1: what I'm saying. And so each not- person <clears throat> is valid in what they're saying. Right. Yeah. And of course you're going to empathize with each one and you say, but you don't know. But I think at the end of the day, it's like when you're input in those situations, it's it's sort of saying to yourself, mm-hmm. okay, this person had like, I mean, if it's really outright discrimination where they come out to you abusive, like really blunt about it, then I think everyone, no matter who it is, even if it's a power struggle, you have a right to speak up. You have a right to say, I'm sorry that you feel that way, or or whatever the case may be, don't engage in it obviously yep. back you do not want to do that keep your demeanor your professionalism and then you know what you have the human rights commission that's what it's there for right and you find so your
0: advice is to if somebody is subject to this to uh go to human rights commission Absolutely. In, and if it, if they are in a work environment i'm assuming they'll be what hr or something or? that
1: they should go to their hr department and make a complaint and speak to them about it. Of course, yes, it should go into management now. If it's the manager themselves doing it, right? Or in cases where we have, and I've had, I have clients that come to me um, because I do the HR end of it as well. Is um, like, for example, I had an individual who um, has a disability, and she was hired, and within her disability, um, she also had another disability that she did not disclose to uh, the employer and her disability that she had that she did not disclose her employer was just because she just didn't wanna be treated differently. But however, that made her not as, she wasn't as a functioning adult in terms of social networking and social encounters with individuals and her teammates. So she always felt that they would always be like, you, you're too quiet, you need to open up more, you need like, you know, there would be these kind of things and, and she felt like there were jabs at her, you know? Yeah. And, um, and really, but she was very talented in what she did. And then it got to the point where it was becoming very overt that they were mistreating her and treating her differently and there was, a grounds for discrimination on disability as well as race. And so then yes, a human rights complaint was filed. And then of course, when it goes to the human rights complaint uh, tribunal, they will assess your complaint. They won't proceed to tribunal hearing until they actually assess the value. And so an adjudicator would look at that, make sure that there is merit, and then they will also make sure that a settlement can happen first before even going to hearing. Right. And then once you do file a complaint, you can't withdraw it because the whole tribunal is there for a reason to um, ensure that this doesn't happen. Right. That, you know, um, Canadians have no matter who we who we are, what background we have that, you know, we don't tolerate discrimination here. Like as a society, we it's, it's not something that's acceptable.
0: Yeah, right? this is something that Canada done very well, and I'm yeah. proud to say yeah. that as a Canadian, yeah. that we've targeted yeah. the, this entire topic of discrimination very heavily, and I'm proud to say as a Canadian that we're making a huge progress in, on the topic. So, I mean, there are still areas of improvement, and there always will be, uh, yeah. but we've done, we put the policies in place, we put the system in place to address uh, discrimination, so, which is great. Um, now, if... Just uh, on another topic, for instance, a lot of times these things do happen. I'm talking about um, infringement on somebody's, you know, uh, background, etc. Those, uh, um, you know, biases that happen against people, not because people sometimes intend to happen, but they are not educated well enough about the topic of, you know, uh, biases and, and diversity and inclusion and all that stuff. In terms of education, like, for yourself, like where did you find resources to study the topic and what can you t- tell the audience if they're not familiar with the topic and if they're not up to date, I would say, they may be familiar from a high level, but if they want to get detail, they want to dive into the topic of diversity and inclusion, where do they go to get information on the topic?
1: Well, there's plenty of resources. I mean, resources- Google
0: is one of them, but. <laughs>
1: yeah, right, there's plenty of resources too, and I for us, I think, which is really great is, and... You know, we really commend our profession that, you know, the different law societies and the Canadian Bar Association, does topics on this and they bring in experts to come in and talk about it. So, you know, I usually attend those. Um, I read up on them. There's a lot of podcasts that you can look into. There's some leading speakers on it. Um, there is a National Committee on Diversity and Equality. Um, you can look them up and you can read about that more and they can speak to that as well. I think self-education is also important. And I'd mm-hmm. like to say a little bit about the unbiased as well. Um, you're right. Sometimes unconscious uh, bias, again, that's why it's called that. You're not consciously aware of it that you're doing it, right? For example, you know, when we say, oh, okay, there is... Um, a new female judge was appointed from a different background, right? All of a sudden we're all like, that's really great, right? Like, oh my God, that's awesome. You know, you know, there's more um, inclusion equality there. This is great. Well, at the same time, you think about it, you know, when a a white male judge is appointed on a merit of the accomplishments that they receive, you know, are we really, you know, celebrating that? Like, you know what I mean? Like it's there's, it's that balance and trying to realize like,
0: it does no. sound a little bit like we're trying to uplift something by by putting somebody else's down. Yeah,
1: and that's not right.
0: That's what I'm hearing. Yeah.
1: That's not right. And I think at the end of the day, and I I, I don't yeah. want to say it's like supposed to be like reference.
0: you know water floats everybody up kind of thing. So
1: exactly, exactly, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. let's celebrate that. Yeah, okay, doors are being opened, um, and you know there's more gender equality race equality, all that kind of thing. Sure, yeah. But I think we don't, we don't, we shouldn't sit there, you mm-hmm. know? I think we need to move beyond that. And yes, there's still some work to be done for even for us to get to moving beyond that. Trust me, I I get that. And there are there, there, I think, more countries um, that have more of a struggle than others do of getting there and, and, and moving on beyond that. But I think Canada, we have, we, we still have hope that we can do that. And mm-hmm. when I say moving beyond that is I'm saying we need to start looking at what the person brings, you mm-hmm. know, their merit, what do they bring? And, right. um, and that's valuable because each and every one of us has gifts and talents, right? And when we come together and we learn from each other, mm-hmm. right? That's where innovation takes place. That's where passions meet passion and, and thought provoking and moving the envelope, pushing society forward in a positive way, right? Um, like if we talk about you know biases as well, let's let's talk talk about that a little bit, especially in technology now, right? Um, AI. AI was uh started by a couple of white gentlemen in Harvard who came up with an algorithm and the whole bit. But you know what? We have to be conscious of the fact that and understand that. They did it, I think it was the 1970s, um, when they came up with this algorithm and everything. So they they were only putting in what they knew, you know, their own culture, their own understanding of society, where they saw it was gonna go, what kind of vision that they had for it, right? But you know what? What how things were in the 70s to how things are now, so mm-hmm. much history happened, so many breakthroughs, many changes, happened, right? civil rights movements, women's rights, you know, like all sorts of different political stance came and issues were coming up, like all sorts of stuff changed. And the way the family structure was 2 income households now, right? It's not just, you know, uh, the woman working, uh, the, the male working, and the woman's not working, even our family law has to change a little bit with time. I mean, they're, I mean, obviously it is. But some of our laws, like we have to look at, well, who, who, what does a family dynamic look like? That's different now, right? And of That's course not. the workplace looks different now mm-hmm. as well. And I think the other thing to consider too is that um, yes, these gentlemen came up with with all this um algorithm and and there are innate biases mm-hmm. in there. Governance yeah. is really important. That's yeah. where governance has to come in, where we sort of regulate that and really encourage mm-hmm. tech companies. To take the initiative, because at the end of the day, it's costly. It's costly to do these things and make sure whatever program or whatever coding or thing that you're coming up with that is because it has an existing system that you really have to tweak. Right. Mm -hmm. It's costly to do that. And there is hallucinations and all these other issues that can still come up. So, in order to rectify them or or make it work in a certain way, and privacy and data security and all that, it takes a lot of um, manpower, labor, labor. When I say manpower, you know what I mean, right? Yeah. Um, right? Uh, just or like power. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, right. Um, or
0: human power.
1: Yeah, exactly. Right. So, um, and um, so that so you so you need all that, and that's going to cost money. But a lot of companies aren't going to do that if they're if they're not regulated to do it, right? So it's really important that we get governance over things like chat GPT, uh, AI in innovation and stuff, because I think in many ways it's a good thing, but it has to- It has to
0: remain ethical
1: that's right ethical and governed yes absolutely so you're that you're uh,
0: passionate about the topic I'm 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 so happy to have you on this uh, podcast this morning uh, <laughs> I can see the passion uh from you regarding this this topic you've done a lot of thinking about it you've worked on it for many years um and 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 it's very refreshing to see that because most most people you know they either, you know learn a topic and they're talking about it because you know it's part of what they do if i have like a phd person here talking about you know splitting atoms they'll talk about it from a very dry scientific but you inject a lot of your emotion into into a topic which i really like that um yeah, because, thank you for it, because that. it's very it's very important topic and we need to be passionate about it but obviously i love your approach meaning balancing things out i really like that it doesn't mean that you know, one demographic goes up, another demographic ne- needs to go down. That's not the intention at all. I think it's more like uh, high water uh, raises everybody. Yes, yeah. And it's it, it's supposed to be it's supposed to be that way. Um, no one.
1: I, of the, can you I know, say how- something else? Um, Robin, I think it's really important because I remember like being on the side where I knew there was an underlying discrimination happening. Like I knew it. I absolutely knew it. But you know what, at the time, I also thought to myself, and yes, it was in a work environment kind of thing that it was, and it was um, power imbalance. At the time, I think I was an art student. And so um, having said that, like, it was, I just, I just remember, you know, thinking to myself, I have two, like, I have two options here, right? Like, Do I, do I say something about it or do I take it or do I focus on my goal? Like, what do I do and keep pushing through kind of thing. And I think in in many ways I did both. What I did was I kept pushing through. And then I remember I ended up at the end of it, approaching the person and really let them know how I felt, and quite frankly speaking, at the end of what my time and term with this individual working with them, Mm -hmm. that person's mindset shifted and actually said to me that I was one of the best students at the end of the day. So I think what it is to say that, um, yes, it's not a nice thing to be on the receiving end. And I'm not certainly saying that it's, everybody's individually different, but I think how you choose to handle it for yourself that's going to suit you and your personality and who you are, be brave enough to do it that way. What works for you, you know? And if you feel like, no, this is something I need to complain, like then do that. But I mean, everybody's going to uniquely handle things differently, right? There's no right or wrong answer, but I think one thing is consistent that things like this don't advance society don't move our country in a positive way does not it. help our next generation in any way
0: absolutely so,
1: um and it doesn't advance our business world you know are okay. the heart of our country is business right a lot of entrepreneurs and small businesses uh are really the backbone of this country as well mm-hmm. right yeah. so you know again we need to to really make sure people have the opportunities. And I think the fact that we even give them a chance to have an opportunity, because in some countries you don't even get that. Yeah. And like, I think about some of the women, you know, in the, you know, in Muslim countries where they, they're they not allowed to be educated, the Taliban and all the stuff that's going on there. And you think to yourself, my gosh, you know, yes, we have issues here, right? Yes, there's still some improvement to be made. Yes, there's still some you know glass ceilings to break through, but we still have a foundation that the don't need to worry about
0: the uh, human family around the globe. Basically, there there are areas and there are pockets that are more despair than others, and uh, um, and
1: what we do here. And the opportunity that we have to do something about here, the world is watching and we're inspiring them. You know, because the the little girl or the teenage girl that's been told by the Taliban that she cannot be educated is looking to North America and Europe and the world and seeing us women and everybody else and what we're doing, because one day they wish they hope and one day they will inspire to do that. And we gotta keep them inspired because I think that's what's helping them get through. So I think we have to be conscious. I think there's a lot of not unconscious of you know discrimination bias and, and, and race and all that, um, and tolerance and things like that. I mean it's even tolerance. That's a little funny word, too. I want to talk about that for a minute too. But what I wanna say is, is that we have to be careful of that. We need to be mindful of What we do in society and in our communities here, local communities on a provincial level and a national level here in Canada is really going to impact and inspire other people around the world too. I think if we can all stop and think about that too, I I think we're going to keep continuing to make really good ground in this area, but yes, there's still work to be done. There's yeah, still work to be done. Absolutely. But in, in terms of saying the word tolerance, like it was always like you know, tolerant. <laughs> the word tolerance is just like again, you know. I
0: mean, if I look at it in a dictionary, I'm tolerating somebody. I don't like yeah. it. I'm tolerating.
1: It. There's a difference between tolerating <laughs> it's so someone. So offensive and, to me. <laughs> yeah, embracing someone, embracing and accepting, right? Yeah. Uh, and and welcoming, right? and learning and um, being open to new experiences and things like that so um, yeah I think I think when we're more that way um, we actually do good things we're able to do amazing things as a society
0: mm-hmm. look I mean I know on our we're coming up on time here but um, from a uh, our industry from the localization industry and how this whole thing fits uh, when we talked about uh, when we talk about diversity, inclusion, equality, those kinds of things, Uh, you know, there are some some practices that goes into any company, any industry that will either, you know, you have to put some uh, metrics in place, you have to put some systems in place to, you know, encourage diversity and inclusion. But in the localization world, I think it's more native to us because I feel like, I mean, take a company such as the company I work for, and, you know, um, if you translate, let's say, to, I don't know, 400 languages more per year, well, guess what? You're touching 400 different demographics. These individuals from those demographics, they need to do the actual work. So you're engaging, we're engaging in our industry, these pockets of, uh, of, of people, of populations, and we're bringing them in. It doesn't matter if they're geolocation nowadays, the world is connected. It doesn't matter where they are. They could be in Africa. They could be in South America. They could be in Europe, Eastern Europe. It doesn't matter where they are in the globe, and we're bringing them in to be a productive member of society. Part of what this is, and also solving a problem, because once they contribute, then the um, the whatever we're producing, content, etc., that's going to become accessible in that language as well. So I feel like the localization industry is. V- you know, could be used as an example of how, and of course, I mean, you know, the journey is not over. Um, We still have um, tweaks and other things to do, but the basis of the industry is there to promote diversity and equality in every language and every demographics around the globe. Now- um, I think the
1: key there, if I could just say, um, Robin, if I may interject there for a moment, is what when you guys are doing what you're doing, right? you're opening new ideas you're you're bringing up making a sort of a a, um, a network of people coming together sharing new ideas and language isn't being a barrier and then the culture and the differences isn't being uh, a barrier because now you can understand each other right but then Absolutely. it's opening up ideas ideas that they may never have been exposed to but again what ideas they have that you know, here in North America, there's a lot of ideas and cultures and things that, you know, we can embrace and, and try and understand and learn I from, think. which are good, valuable things. So I, mm-hmm. there is that understanding and opening of ideas. And I think that's where even like AI and technology is also, a, a, you know, common in that as well, right? And mm-hmm. with AI language as well, right? And understanding and generating a language and things like that so they kind of go hand in hand and I think I think that's a wonderful thing I really do and, and
0: I feel like uh, this is a topic we've talked about before uh, in our industry uh, where AI plays a role um, where we have and and this is you know valid um, um, that there are languages around the globe that they are disappearing mm-hmm. you know either small minority small number of people speaks the language and those individuals no longer with us, or um, their um, their extended families have gone and learned other languages, and that initial language has become has disappeared, which is a shame. As a humanity, we speak many languages, and I saw stats the other day: there's seven thousand languages spoken around the world, which is great and, and a testament to our uh, to us as a humanity and and in many facets that we have, especially in the language in the language side of things. AI can really help in preserving those languages, in capturing these languages, containing them within the neural network and for people and for generations to access, to learn and to preserve, which yeah, we don't talk about it much, but preserving the world doesn't run on, you know, key four or five languages. That's, no. that's not, the yeah, world yeah. runs on all of its languages and you know preserving all these languages and not limiting you know the communication to two or three top languages it's very very important for us as a humanity
1: can you you think of i did classical civilization studies in in my undergrad at u of t um like could you imagine we not having the the iliad or the or, or the odyssey you know that rich literature and understanding of the human experience And how, like, look how that was preserved and passed on. And now we study it and we take it apart. We couldn't understand its original language and what that was. How much could we have missed? You know, Socrates and Aristotle, like, it's, you know, and some of those philosophies and understanding and guess you know, what
0: most of these philosophers they, they did not speak english at the time
1: no they did <laughs> right? no it was ancient greek so you know and like there's so much history you know and that's part of it like we're in a way our present is going to be someone's history
0: correct right
1: absolutely. and Every, so, and you absolutely what,
0: what, hit the nail on the head on that one
1: yeah so what are we going to do what what kind what kind of history are we making
0: Correct, correct. Okay. So um sorry we're coming up on time here and I don't want to uh I know
1: we uh, could talk, and talk you. forever. You and, and I, and I
0: feel the time just flew by to be honest with you, talking to you. And I appreciate yeah, you I this morning. Um, you know, I could talk to you about the topic for an entire day, but uh <laughs> yeah, we right? all have things to do and we've got a bunch of schedules to, to meet. Uh I really appreciate you having um being with me this morning. If there's any last uh few words you'd like to say before I we finish the recording. I appreciate it.
1: Oh, not at all. Thank you so much for the opportunity and asking me. It's such a privilege and an honor to be on your podcast. And I love what you're doing. I really, truly do. And um, yeah, I think just the parting words is, is like, we need to just see each other and see each other for what we do and the talents we have and value that and how together what breakthroughs and amazing history we can navigate for our generations to generations. And I think that's that's a key thing.
0: Again, Suki, thank you so much for being on my podcast this morning. Uh, and uh, look forward to having further conversations with you and hopefully bring you back to the podcast for another topic. Always Not pleasure. To my pleasure. <laughs> thank you so
1: much. Thank you.